Good afternoon, friends. Welcome back to another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America. We're going to spend the next couple hours here on the Patrick Lally Show. As usual, engaged in energetic and entertaining conversation. We're going to talk about news and politics. We're going to talk about mm, football a little bit. We're going to talk about mm, maybe some music and more news and more politics. So it's going to be fun. That's what that. That's what the takeaway of that is. It's going to be a good time. Maybe some kibbles and bits in there too. Kibbles and bits. Kibbles and bits. I'm going to tell you right now. I got a tickle. I got a tickle. No. Can you hear, it? Can no. you hear it in my voice? Ah, uh, just a little bit. You're a little thin. And now, see, I can. My sub voice in my head sounds so much better when it's like this. It maybe doesn't sound any better, you know, outside of my head, but inside, I'm like Barry White over here. I can't think of a can't get song. enough of your love, baby. <laughs> no, now I smell. I smell. I sound more like uh, Dan Peters, ladies and gentlemen. The sweet tones of Mister Dan Peters, voice of the Sky Force and Uber producer of the Patrick Lally Show. Yeah. You're getting there. Look I, at that. You like that? You just got to let it come all the way down. Anyway, thanks for spending some time with us today. I'm gonna I'm gonna fight through this. I think it's fine. I, I don't think I'm sick. I just got a tickle because uh, I happen to be. Uh, I, I had a chance to get together with my brother last night, which I haven't done for quite a while, and we were just you know having a nice time. But I did end up um, singing for a brief period of time uh, some um, you know music in a night spot at the top of my lungs. Just as sort of, it wasn't anything out of control or anything. It was just kind of a demonstration. So maybe that, you know, maybe I've strained my vocal cords. But, you know. Stripped them out a little bit? Stripped, oh. Just stripped them bare a little no, bit. No, you, you blew the cobs out. That's yeah. what you did yesterday. I think what I need to do is tonight, sit just sit quietly with a book and just rest. I think that's probably the best thing to do. None of this gallivanting around singing songs but will you (laughs) i'm gonna try i'm gonna give it my best uh as i said thanks for spending some time with us today whether that's through your radio at 1140 1140 how long's it been since i did that oh that's a quarter in the jar oh information 1000 ksoo on your radio streamed live on ksoo.com or on the ksoo mobile app remember you can always follow along and watch us put this show together on facebook live or follow on our Twitter account at P. Lally Show. Dan Peters will be banging out the updates over there and conversing with you, good folks. You know we're we're in the we're in the January thaw. You know we got I know we got this storm coming and it's going to just graze us now, which is good. I'm happy about that. And uh, but I, we always get a January thaw when there's days like this, and it's a little tricky because there's the frost and you you see the frost like on the pavement. You're not is that slippery? Is that not slippery? And it usually is not slippery, but you just don't know what's underneath the frost on the roads and sidewalks and such. So you got to be careful out there, people. And now it's foggy. So weird when you have winter fog. You get that kind of crystalline nature in the air. I know because there's a little bit of melting going on and all of that moisture kind of collects near the surface. And now that you have a little bit of a surge coming in prior to the snow that we're going to be having, it's... Yeah, kind of creepy, eerie out there. Yeah, it always reminds me of when I was uh, 
uh, flying back into town uh, on the day after the zip tower because <laughs> I was I was out of town. I was actually in Florida uh, for this uh, like for work, and I'm coming back into Sioux Falls, flying into Sioux Falls, and it's a day just like today where it was just that kind of hazy, foggy, ice in the air situation. And I looked down over my, I was I was happy, lucky enough to be on the right side of the plane and it was a north wind. So we're coming in over the city as you do. And I look over to my right and through the fog, it was pretty dense, through the fog, it was just kind of this eerie shape of this tilted zip feed mill. And it was the weirdest thing I'd ever seen. Uh, because you're so used to seeing it the normal way. And I hadn't, I, I, I knew that that had happened, but I didn't, I hadn't seen it. So very strange. That's what I always think of when on days like this, when I look out over our fair city, I've got, we've got a great show for you today. Our guests include Emily Wanless. She is a political science professor at Augustana university who chaired a panel recently studying South Dakota's initiative and referendum system. Uh, and there's a lot of news on that front. So we'll talk to Emily about, the INR and uh, all kinds of other issues that are out there in the world of politics. Scott Hudson will be in for weird friends. Um, he's got sort of his teams that it's okay to hate in this football season. We'll meet Dylan McNeil. He is a teenager and bike racer that I know from Omaha who has raced up here in the past and regionally. Uh, and he's, he's a phenom. This kid's a phenom. He just returned from Belgium where he competed in some of the most iconic cyclocross races in the world as a member of the U.S. Junior National Team. Very cool experience. And we'll chat with former NFL coach and author Darren K. Roberts. He will be in Sioux Falls tomorrow to work. Uh, he's doing this thing with youth and collegiate athletes and coaches. Uh, he's sharing, he's got a message of perseverance. And he's a very interesting cat who will be in town tomorrow, and you can hear what he has to say. And I will have a PL statement just after the break. Today's topic, can't avoid it. There's some crazy stuff going on in immigration. That's all coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 317 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we're getting a little closer to free here today on the Patrick Lally Show with the PL statement. Everybody needs a chance once in a while, and it's sort of the theme here on Patrick Lally Show. And I just got a note, by the way, uh, from one of my friends out there that says, uh, "Were you singing Pyromania last night?" No, I don't sing. I, I don't sing the Pyromania. Pyromania. Can't even do it anymore. Uh, it was, I don't even want to go into it. It was House Martins. You know, that's how it goes. Uh, so anyhow, on the PL statement today, um, the, everything I saw today that interested me was immigration related. So let's just whip through some stuff here. And it uh, we start nationally and then we come back locally. Uh, you know, this came out um, a little bit on Monday. It was from Monday when the president sat down with uh, members of Congress who are interested in issues of immigration. 
And, you know, I said yesterday, I think that he uh, endorsed kind of a overhaul, a broad changes. Um, and he did that. But he also, one of the interesting things in there is that he said he was behind a path to citizenship, which is going to get him in trouble with uh, the conservatives. Um, obviously, Lindsey Graham was in there. He's always been a uh, advocate of a path to citizenship for people who are in the country illegally. 11 million estimated illegal immigrants. Um, and he, he basically asked the president to support that. And uh, the president said he, he, he could get behind it without uh, conditions that uh, some other folks are trying to put on there. It, it got everybody pretty riled up right away. And uh, we'll see what happens. But, you know, it's, he, the notion is that maybe uh, the president didn't realize the political nuance there in Congress when he said that because a lot of uh, uh, conservatives in the House have said that uh, they want to talk about perhaps a path to citizenship um, or do- and with DACA as long as security is included in that conversation. Well, the president seemed to say, fine, let's do one, let's do the other, and that really started to get some uh, attention very quickly. Um, you know, if, if, he, if he's seen as uh, basically granting amnesty for people in the country legally, he, he may get himself in a lot of fear. But he said, hey, I'm willing to take the heat. Bring it. So you can't, you know, I don't believe that he doesn't know what he was talking about. I think he knew exactly what he was doing. But maybe, I don't know, that's a, that's a big push that he could get from uh, the conservatives. Um, John McCain has had it. Lindsey Graham has had it. Uh, it's President Bush tried to do it. So we'll see how that goes. Speaking of DACA, uh, a federal judge in California stopped the repeal of DACA. So we'll see what happens with that. But that is a that is a big deal. The Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, which covers folks who came to this country through no effort of their own when they were children, but are illegal and uh, have been protected from getting chucked out of the country. Uh, the program ends March 5th. They could face a deportation, 800,000 people. That sort of puts that on hold. We'll see where that goes. But it was a very, if you go back and watch a little bit of that, uh, any of that uh, meeting that they had in the White House, it was pretty pretty wild with the con- members of the Senate and the House and the president sitting around the table chatting, throwing spitballing, as we like to say. Spitballing, that's what you do. But I want to get back to a related topic that is only... It's maybe tangentially related, but we'll see. Uh, and that's Neil Tapio. And I talked about Neil Tapio yesterday. And today there was an interfaith day at State Capitol. And this is a story from South Dakota Public Broadcasting that posted this morning. The interfaith day at State Capitol causes stir in Rotunda. That's because, so uh, Lutheran Bishop David Zelmer, as long as he can recall, there's always been a Lutheran day at the State Capitol in Pierre. But this year, members from the state's Muslim, Buddhist, Baha'i, Roman Catholic, Episcopalian faiths joined Lutherans in Interfaith Day. So uh, Zelmer says different religious groups are getting picked on in South Dakota, and he says that's inappropriate. There's all kinds of things we don't know in this state. So part of it is just knowing who our neighbors are and having some appreciation for them, Zelmer says. We built the state with people from all over the world, and we continue to do that. Um, so, you know, it's all fine and good. You get a bunch of religious leaders at the Capitol. It's wonderful. They do their speeches. But who shows up? Neil Tapio. State Senator Neil Tapio, Republican of Watertown. 
Speaking to reporters near the event, Tapio says, Interfaith Day, you know, the Lutherans, is politically motivated. Here's his quote. We have a domestic threat that's going on right here in our country. Refugee resettlements and interfaith dialogue is a part of a war. It's a silent part. It's a part about taking away the Christian fabric of our nation. Now, some people are okay with that. That's their prerogative. But there are American patriots that want to fight. Tapio is uh, probably running for the U.S. House of Representatives against Secretary of State Chantel Krebs and Dusty Johnson for the Republican nomination. We had Dusty on the show yesterday, and we talked about this issue extensively. You know, I think Tapio, with a quote like this, uh, offers a glimpse into his true nature. Let's just think about what he did in Pier this morning in our state capitol. A large group of religious leaders from across the spectrum come to the people's health house with nothing more than a message of tolerance and understanding. Tapio not only shows up, but he hijacks the event to spread his ill-founded theories. He even had the temerity when these men and women of faith gathered for a group photo on the steps of the rotunda to include himself in the group. Now, there may have been some other legislators in there. It's a big group. And he's not just in the picture, mind you. And you can go see this on the South Dakota Public Broadcasting website, and I'm sure you'll see it elsewhere. He's in the front. He's in the middle of the photo. It's astonishing to me. It really is. And it's revealing of his bigotry that he cloaks in patriotism. Let's, let's go back and let's listen to that quote again. I want to read this. This is important. This is after at a gathering of Interfaith Day organized by the Lutheran Bishop, David Zelmer. We have a domestic threat that's going on right here in our country. Refugee resettlements and interfaith dialogue is part of a war. It's a silent part. It's a part about taking away the Christian fabric of our nation. Now, some people are okay with that. That's their prerogative. But there are American patriots that want to fight. How are we supposed to hear that? How are we supposed to read that? Tapio wants a religious war? Is that it? That's what it sounds like. Or he's willing to. That's, that's not the principle of freedom of religion that we are founded upon. And I think it's important to remember that freedom of religion does not just mean you have the right to worship the way you want. It means that religious faith in whatever God you want to worship is protected from the interference of government. It's based on the experiences of the people who founded this country with religious persecution.
This is the worst form of nationalism. We've seen it play out time and again around the world. Yugoslavia, Sudan, Albania, Bosnia, Chechnya. Make no mistake, this is not religion. It is not faith. It is not Christianity. Tapio's crusade is unnerving. Again, remember, this is a gathering organized by a Lutheran bishop. You simply do not get more mainstream South Dakota than that. As I said yesterday, I wouldn't presume to tell Mr. Tapio what he should think or say. That's not for me. But to have any faith in the future of this state, it's my great hope that he spends this session of the legislature in isolation with whatever delusion he lives with roiling through his brain. I don't believe South Dakotans in the main agree with Mr. Tapio, but it's important for people to speak out. Mr. Tapio is a candidate for Congress from our state. I'm not going to tell Republicans who to vote for in June, but the question about who we are and how we treat people of other faiths is central to the debate. That's the bottom line on today's PNL. Agree or disagree with me, you can email me, Patrick at KSOO.com. You can follow us on Twitter at P. Lally Show and add your two cents. Coming up on the show, it's Scott Hudson for Weird Friends. He's got, uh, you know, the teams it's okay to hate. It, it completes the sports, okay? Don't, don't equate it to the other thing. That's all coming up on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Three thirty-five on the Patrick Lally Show, and it's Wednesday, and that's when we normally talk with Scott Hudson during Weird Friends. Scott Hudson, are you there, sir? I am here. It's All so right. nice to hear that song every Wednesday. Yeah, it's just well, I tried to keep it short this time. I think last time I played about a minute and a half of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great song. Um, so, uh, have you been? I sort of warned people that. You've you you you're you're teed up today because I know you've been watching a lot of football, right? I actually have. I mean, I know people don't think of me as like a sports guy, mm-hmm. but I do. I do actually watch a lot of sports. In fact, you know, a lot, a lot of times on on the weekends, I'll just play records all day and mute the TV with closed captioning on, and I watch the games because mm. I generally hate most announcers. As you know, no surprise there. No. So I don't really need to hear them babbling. I mean, Chris Collinsworth, I've heard enough Chris Collinsworth in my life, you know? <laughs> hey, so I, what a great catch that was. Yeah, yeah, Big Ben. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I have been. But I was thinking the other night, I was watching that college football championship game. And I'm looking at Twitter, and I'm seeing people's reactions to everything throughout the night. I want to know, is there... Is there a more hated college team than the Alabama football team? No, because they win. And well, I think that's that's not all of it, though. I, I think that's part of it. Uh, you know, and, and if you talk to an Alabama fan, they'll go, well, "You're just jealous," which is like the worst argument ever. I think a lot of it is is Nick Saban. Oh yeah, Absolutely. I mean, Nick Saban is probably the greatest coach of all time in, in college, but he's just so hateable he's so arrogant you know it's like i personally don't like ohio state either because i just can't stand urban meyer Mm -hmm. 
but I don't think Ohio State's overall hatred rises to Alabama. No. Notre Dame is probably close. Notre Dame, yep, yep, that's a good one. They've kind of dropped off, ba- but yeah. I think in college basketball, it's the same with Duke. And I've yes. never really understood the Duke thing because other teams have won more championships recently. Kansas. But boy, the people who don't like Duke, they really hate Duke. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, it's a small school and they, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, when you're that successful, people start, you're going to attract the haters, right? And I, yeah. I have the same emotions. I really can't stand the Patriots anymore. Just stop. Right, right. And I get that. And again, it's not just, it's not just the fact that they've won so much. It's Belichick and, and, and uh, Kraft, they're easily hateable people. Yes. You know, especially, you know, Belichick won't do interview, you know, proper interviews. And he flaunts the fact that he hates the rules. And, yeah, it's, it, you can see why people don't like him. And the, but I think the most hated NFL team mm-hmm. has got to be the Cowboys. Oh yeah, yes. Even though they have meant nothing as far as you know, uh, a, a championship level team, they haven't been. They've been a five hundred team for about twenty years now. Mm-hmm. I, but it's the fact. It's the fact that they call themselves America's team. Yeah, you know when I was a when I was a youth, Ute was during the days of Roger Staubach and Tom Landry and all that, and I was a fan. I was a t- Oh yeah. Then I was in uh, when they fired Tom Landry and brought in uh, what's his name, the Jimmy little Johnson. guy, Jimmy yeah, Johnson. Jimmy Johnson. That was it. I couldn't take it anymore. I was done. Yeah. I, yeah. It, sometimes yeah. you just got to walk away. And yeah, I and then away. like in in baseball, for years and years it was Yankees, and it was not just because they were winning, but because they were quote buying championships because they were spending so much more money than any other team. Well, that's not really the case anymore. They're not the most, they're not, their payroll's not the biggest anymore, and they haven't really done anything either for a while. So I, I don't know who the Red Sox maybe is. Yeah. That's the team people hate. See, but they used to be lovable losers. Now they've yeah. sort of grown to hate them because they won so much. Yeah, now, the worst and, thing that ever happened to the Red Sox is they won, they, yes. they won a World Series. Yep. And then <laughs> but they were pretty I, I good, hate, you know? I hate the Cardinals because I don't like that cliche of the the we're, the, the country's most knowledgeable fans. Oh, shut that. up! I hate that. Shut up! <laughs> I really do hate that. They really understand moving the runner over here in St. Louis. They gave that a big round of applause. <laughs> what? I Whatever. Hate I hate that. Yeah. I, you know, and because you kind of like the Cubs, then you got to hate the Cardinals because it's easy that's to true. like the Cubs. That, that's true. And they're closer. I will. Right. Um, but as far as like some sports, I, I mean, I don't know who would be the most hated NBA team, you know, uh, I, I, the Lakers, the Celtics, yeah, the Lakers that I, I, I didn't yeah. like them for, because I really didn't like them because they, uh, uh, you know, had that run and they were, I was never a Kobe fan, but even back in the magic days and all that, yeah, no, mm-hmm. I would much be, I was much more a Celtics guy. See, I grew up liking the Lakers because I liked Kareem. And I like Elgin Baylor, and I like mm-hmm. people like that. But yeah, when it got into the 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 Kobe year, I didn't, I didn't like them. Didn't like them at all. No, Kobe's I, I a guess, great player, but I, I guess a lot of people are getting tired of Golden State and Cleveland being in the championship every year. But I yeah. don't think the level of hate is that high yet. I don't know that Cleveland's going to make it this year, but probably. 
Yeah, you're right. right. There's there used to be that great hate for LeBron, but that's kind of gone away because he went back to Cleveland and it was a good story. Because we right. as people we want a good story. Right. Well, especially you and I, we kind of have that journalist think you yeah. know thinking going on. Right. I, um, I don't care. Just tell me a good story. Mm-hmm. And that's why I don't have anything for the NHL because I I couldn't I could name five players. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. It's, it's not that I hate hockey. I just, I just don't know it. Yep. And there are people to hate in hockey, but they tend to be not stars. They tend to be the thugs. Oh yeah, yeah. That that would make sense. Yeah. So then there's that to hate. But no, I think you're right about Dallas. They're right at the top of the list. Uh, I I will always dislike hate. You know, I hate using the word hate. But uh, uh, oh, I don't mind using that. I know you don't. I know you don't. <laughs> But I dislike the Yankees a great deal, and that's never going to change. I also dislike the Tigers, but that's a whole different thing. I don't hate them. Yeah. Ooh, I can go yeah, way out it, in the weeds, and I can say if you are a Kentucky Derby person, Bob Baffert is probably a person uh, uh, that you, you are not a fan of. I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> Horse racing. Yeah. Same. Well, I got that, but I, I mean that. Okay, I couldn't even repeat that name. You just yeah, it's the same theme though. It's somebody who wins all the time and seems kind of smug about it. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's the I smugness. Like tennis, and I tennis, think that's there are, going back there are, to college football and and you know that and the Belichick, Saban, Urban Meyer, uh, uh, North that, Dakota State, North Dakota State. It there's a smugness and and you're like yeah. just, just answer the question. All right, don't be such a Exactly. Pee on. Anyway, yeah, I'm with you, Scott. I'm with you. What are you listening to, man? Anything good? Well, you know, I I am uh, I'm going to be interviewing a, a local musician later tonight, so I have been listening almost nonstop to uh, the Rich Show album. Oh yes, it's really good. It is really good. I and he hasn't sent me the bonus tracks yet, so I'm kind of bothered by that. But no, I don't have those either. But I'll, uh, I'll get them eventually. I did order, I pre-ordered the vinyl, and so I'm looking forward to seeing that in the next couple of weeks. But that's, record release is January 27th, down at uh, yes. Big Concert, down at the Orpheum. Uh, we'll we'll have a ton to say. Rich is going to be on the show a couple times between now and then. So oh, cool. We're going to go all in on the Rich show record. And then the day after that, the Drive-By Chuckers are playing. Yep, that'll be fun. And that, that's another big show. Yeah, there's a lot going on that weekend. It's too bad. Yeah. Can't get to everything. Scott Hudson, he is our uh, music and cultural critic here on the Patrick Lally Show. Thanks for being here, Scott. Love being here. Coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, we're going to talk to Dylan McNeil. He is a uh, cycling, I I think I can call him a phenom. He's a teenage guy down in Omaha, but he's raced up here a lot and around here. And he just got back from a tour of Belgium with the U.S. National uh, Junior Team. And uh, we'll get... Dylan on the phone here in just a minute. That's all coming up on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And 347 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And I am just excited to have on the line today Dylan McNeil. When I was a few years back, uh, I was uh, doing some cyclocross, uh, organizing races and such, and this these little shavers from Omaha would show up and kind of beat up all the old guys and uh dylan was one of those guys and who's gone on to uh even better things uh in the bike racing world dylan mcneil how are you today sir i'm good how are you i'm good man so are you like in a classroom somewhere or did you just sneak off into the bathroom or 
Are you, are you, you find a, a safe place to hide? Are you still in school? What's the deal? Um, I actually just got out of school at 320, so I just came straight home, and so now I'm I'm home right now. Oh, good. So you're from the Omaha area. Where do you go to school? Uh, I go to school at Pillion La Vista South, which and is like uh, right outside of Omaha. Yeah, and uh, what year are you? I'm a sophomore. Oh, cool. So, uh, Dylan, you are going to cyclocross nationals um, this weekend, which is in Reno, Nevada. And uh, we talk about bike racing on this show on occasional and cycling quite a bit. Um, and you're uh, going, this is cyclocross nationals. So what are your, uh, what, what division are you racing and what are your hopes and dreams for the weekend? Um, I'm racing the junior 17 to 18 men's race on Sunday, which is at nine, the first race of the day. And then I think probably my biggest goal for that is to just be top 10 for sure. Maybe like top seven. So I'm shooting for top seven. So that's probably my biggest goal. It's impressive. So, uh, Dylan, how did you get into bike racing? Um, I think my dad mostly got me into it. He did, he raced mountain bikes when he was in college. So, and he also owned a couple of bike stores in the area so that like going to the races with him kind of pushed me into it and kind of fell in love with it in sixth grade and I've been doing it ever since. So do you remember your first real race? Um, I'm not sure. I think probably like my first real, like big race was the Dakota five Oh, which I did in sixth grade for the first time. It's out in Spearfish. So, yeah. Mountain bike yeah, race. You did it in sixth grade. Yep. yep. I did that one in sixth grade and have done it the past three years now. And that's a 50 mile mountain bike race, right? Yes. Oh. Yep. You, and actually, you did pretty well this year, didn't you? I think, didn't you beat the old man? Uh, yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> How did he take that? Your father, Kent, we should say. Uh, yeah, he was okay with it. He was, I think he was having some back issues for most of the race, so uh, I think he used that as an excuse. Yeah. That's what happens when you get old, Dylan. Yeah. I'm sure he says that all the time. So, uh... You're going to Nationals this weekend, but the reason I wanted to get you on the phone was you just got back from uh, a little tour with the U.S. National Junior Team. I'm saying that correct, aren't I? Yes. And you got to go to some of the the really iconic races in Belgium. First of all, how did you end up uh, racing with the USA team? Well, first, I've I've always gone, the past two years, I've gone to this camp in Montana with Jeff Proctor, who runs it, and... He's like, he's like the coach over there and it's kind of the person you want to know to get into that kind of stuff. So then, uh, talking with him, I filled out a form and applied for it on like USA cycling. And then they basically just look at results from like earlier in the year. And then they choose usually four or five riders from each age group for the block. So, yeah. And it should be said when you race around here in particular, uh, but a lot of races you race with the men. Yeah, yep. A lot of the time, like, local stuff would be, like, the men's one-two races, and then for, like, the big regional races, it'll be the junior 17-18 race. Yeah, and you do quite well against the men, don't you? Uh, yeah, I try my best. Um, and you have won uh, several, uh, you know, regional races in that, in that regard, racing with the men, but I will always remember uh, when you came up, you were racing Sioux Falls at the South Dakota State Cyclocross 
state championships and we were at Tudhill Park and you came up with uh, a few other guys and you guys jumped in there with the Cat 5 men, which is the kind of beginner men, but they're, they're men. And I think you were about, oh, I don't know, 12, 13, something like that. Yeah. And, uh, and, and uh, you, you had no fear. And uh, I don't remember how you placed, but you did really well. And I remember thinking at the time, I'm like, well, that kid knows how to race. No matter what, he knows how to race. Was that just in your, in your DNA because you were around it so much? Or did you have to learn that I, I just got to go, go, go? Um, I don't know. I think it was kind of both, like, just being around it. And I've always, like, when I was younger, just loved rock, watching races on, like, TV and then going to, like, my dad's races and watching those. So I think that definitely helped me learn. And then I think just, like, playing like other sports too it's just always been competitive and kind of having that drive yeah when when you were uh went over to belgium and which is the center of a lot of bike racing but particularly cyclocross in the world what was it like the first time you put on that usa national jersey it was definitely pretty cool i remember it was right before pre-riding the world cup course for our first race over there and it was i was definitely pretty excited to get the gear and try it on just because i remember like picturing having it so it's definitely cool to pull on the jersey and represent the u.s over there uh what was it uh, what was your favorite moment of the belgium first of all what were the you did two big races right were they both world cup races yeah we did the namur world cup which was our first race and then we did three races total and then the second one was called saint nicholas which was they call it like a Sudal Classic, mm-hmm. which is a little smaller than a World Cup. And then the last one was the Zolder World Cup. Zolder is a marvelous place. Um, yeah. What do you, what's going to be your lasting memory? What's your favorite memory of racing for Team USA in Belgium? Um, I think probably my favorite race of the whole block was Namur, just because I really like the kind of like mountain bike courses. And that was definitely one of those with like a lot of mud and a lot of elevation, probably like the most elevation I've ever seen in a cyclocross course. Mm-hmm. But we also over there had like a secret Santa thing for Christmas. Cause we were over there to the 27th. So we spent Christmas there and it was cool. Like we each drew names and, uh, bought gifts for each other. So Aww. I think that was probably one of my favorite parts. That's pretty cool. Um, what are you, you finished in the around 30th, 20-something, 30s uh, in those races. Were you happy with your result? Yeah, I think so. I mean, going in, we had uh, Stephen Hyde come and talk to us before. Like, National try champion. And set up goals. Yep. Yeah. And we, um, we were kind of deciding, talking about personal goals and then also placing, and I wasn't really sure what to expect just because the first time over there. But I think looking about how like the past riders have done, I was pretty happy with it for the first few races over there right on well dylan mcneil uh cyclocross racer for team usa and junior national team recently thanks for being with us man and good luck out there thank you thanks for having me this is the patrick lally show on information 1000 ksoo 358 on the patrick lally show coming up in the second hour we're going to talk with Emily Wanless, she's a political science well, professor at Augustana University. Stay tuned. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. Hardly even know my name anymore. 
407 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and I am happy to have on the line right now former NFL coach and author Darren K. Roberts. Darren's going to be in town uh, tomorrow to do some presentations for uh, young athletes and coaches and uh, share his message of perseverance. Uh, uh, Mr. Roberts, thanks for giving us some time today. Patrick, thanks for having me on. So, uh, first of all, where are you? You're on your way. You're en route, right? I am en route to Sioux Falls. Let me tell you, this is going to be my first trip to South Dakota, so I'm very excited about getting in tonight, but I am now on a layover in Denver, and I'm looking forward to the next couple of days. Now, one of the things that I know that you have to do while you're here is you have to run five miles, because you (laughs) you have a personal goal to run five miles every day in January. Uh, it's gonna be a little rugged tomorrow. I'm not going to lie to you. (laughs) Let me tell you something, Patrick. I made that goal at the beginning of the year, forgot that I was going to be in South Dakota. (laughs) Um, but listen, thank God for Amazon. And, um, and also I'm thankful that I still have some of my old NFL gear from the Cleveland Brown days. So, uh, I've got enough layers and, uh, if you, if you see a guy kind of, Shaking at about 5 a.m. tomorrow in Sioux Falls is a good chance that it's me, but I'm looking forward to it. It'll be a good test. Well, maybe somebody will reach out to you and offer you some running partners because there's other crazy people out there as well that have to get out. So, um, so good luck on that. Now, you uh, you have an interesting story. You went to Harvard Law, and after that, you were uh, a coach in the NFL for you. You mentioned the Cleveland Browns, uh, Kansas City Chiefs, Detroit Lions. Uh, college coach in West Virginia. Um, uh, you've got quite a background. What? Why are you coming to Sioux Falls tomorrow? So, one, it's always been on my list. And uh, you and I have a mutual friend and Jolie Letcher. And, you know, she's always some of the praises of Sioux Falls. And so this has been kind of on my bucket list, number one. And two, you know, it's beginning of the new year. And I'm really excited about getting the chance to speak to business and community leaders there. Um, I'm also giving a talk to the local coaches and athletes um, in the afternoon tomorrow. And so this is a way for me to sort of share some leadership lessons from the NFL, um, get people motivated and give them some real tips on how they can make those resolutions last past the 15th of January. So uh, I'm excited to get to Sioux Falls. What's the core of your message to when you speak to uh, especially young athletes? What, what is it that you are, uh, what's your mission, what are you, what's the message you're trying to relay to them? Yeah, you know, so the, the core of my, of my talks, and tomorrow I'm going to give a talk to athletes, which is entitled, Grow Through What You Go Through. Um, but I really talk about how you must be intentional on the path to achieving your goals. And so, you know, in this Instagram, Facebook world, it's very easy to create a persona that you're working hard and you're really trying to make meaningful progress to your goals, uh, where in actuality, you know, a lot of times that's a facade. And so I really want both young people, um, community leaders, business leaders, to act with intention. And so all of my talks are aimed at giving them some tools to be able to be intentional. Now, you're doing uh, two events tomorrow. One is for uh, youth uh, at, uh, in the, I believe that's in the morning, the co- coaches and the kids. And you also, yeah, have, so it, you also have another event in the afternoon, right? 
Right. So in the morning at 8 a.m., and these tickets, you can get these tickets on Facebook, and all of the events will be at the Washington Pavilion. Um, I'm going to give a talk at 8 a.m., which is your first-round draft pick. Um, and that just talks about um, some, some lessons learned from the NFL. And, and then in the afternoon, I'll give a talk to athletes and coaches here, um, which will be grow through what you go through. And, again, those tickets can be uh, – you can get those tickets on Facebook and, and really looking forward to meeting a lot of people. You know, I'm there for the full day, and so I am going to be uh, both before and after the events just trying to – talk with as many people as possible because, uh, you know, I'm also excited about Jolene becoming the next mayor of Sioux Falls, so I'd love to meet <laughs> as many people. There's a good plug. I see uh, Do-Gooders, which is her one of her businesses, is uh, um, a sponsor of your trip. Also, Sanford Health, Poet, uh, Mud Mile Communications, um, and I believe uh, Mid-Continent, Midco. Uh, so yes, the and for our listeners today, this has been uh, uh, sent to me from uh, your people. Uh, you can get fifty uh, percent off the morning event um, by using the discount code PL PL. That's for Patrick Lally. Um, but you can get those tickets at <laughs> Facebook.com backslash Mudmile Mudmile one word. Um, and we'll try and get that up on our Twitter feed as well at P Lally Show. So uh, the afternoon event, uh, the grow through what you go through is free for youth and collegiate athletes and coaches. Um, but anybody can go to the morning event, right? Yes, yes. Let's open and, you know, get your ticket for that one. And then um, in the afternoon, we'll be talking with athletes and coaches. How did you end up in doing this? I mean, I, I know you were, you were a coach. Obviously, you went to Harvard Law School. You're a very accomplished uh, human being. Why why do you do this, travel around the country doing speeches about perseverance and, and achievement? Well, I've noticed that the common thread, so now I'm a professor at the University of Texas. You know, I teach over 300 freshmen each year. i noticed that the common thread between coaching and teaching um, was being able to help people on an individual basis. And so for me, the opportunity to go into a new city to meet new people and to try to give them some tools to get better. You know, that feels like being in a locker room and working with a quarterback on his technique or being in a classroom and helping, you know, young people to hone their leadership skills. So I just enjoy being in that environment. And I'm, I'm really fortunate that uh, Sioux Falls has given me the opportunity to come in and, and share my story with you. Uh, I also see just a little note here before we go. Kevin Durant just awarded you the Center for Sports Leadership Institute that you founded five hundred thousand dollars. Congratulations! Well, I appreciate it. He, uh, you know, Kevin spent one year at the University of Texas, but he is probably the biggest Longhorn that you'll find. And <laughs> uh, you know, his gift, the total gift of three million, was the largest gift from a UT athlete back to the university so i think it says a lot about him um it didn't come with a lot of strings attached he just wants us to continue to do good work and so we're really thankful for his generosity uh darren k roberts he is a former nfl coach and a harvard law graduate and he will be in sioux falls two events one at 8 a.m one at 4 p.m at the washington pavilion uh we'll put all the details up on our fitter twitter our fitter feed our twitter feed and uh uh which is at P. Lally Show. Um, Mr. Roberts, I really appreciate you spending some time with us today. No, Patrick, thank you so much. And if folks want to follow me, I'm at Coach DKR. So at Coach DKR, that's on Twitter and Instagram. And so I'll, I'll be 
kind of chronicling my uh, my trip into Sioux Falls and then all the events tomorrow. So looking oh, forward wonderful. to meeting everyone tomorrow. Thank you, sir, and good luck. Thank you so much. All right, thank you, Patrick. Coming up on the Patrick Lally Show, Emily Wanless. She is a political science professor at the university at Augustana University here in Sioux Falls. That's next on Information 1000 KSOO. 418 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And I am quite pleased to have back in the studio with us on a return engagement after... Well, it's been a long break. Yeah. Emily Wanless, she is a political science professor, full professor now? No. Oh! <laughs> Give me a couple years. Assistant professor? Is that what that is? Uh, what are they, what associate are they call it? now. Associate, yeah. sorry. I don't... That's okay. You know, I'm not up on the lingo. That's the first time I've said it. I can't keep it straight either. Uh, but you're at Augie, and you've been there for how long now? Uh, I'm halfway through my sixth year. Holy buckets. I know. And you love it more on days like tomorrow than you ever do. What's tomorrow? cold snow oh windy. yeah yeah it's be terrible well you know the good thing about augie is most of them are residential and so they can't use the excuse of i can't get to class <laughs> that's right but uh i think we've you're a georgia native right yeah mm-hmm. so last night or when was it monday night yeah not so good or you are you a bulldogs fan just because you're from georgia i actually got my phd at georgia oh okay uh, but cool. i am a clemson diehard ah uh, so, so you can't be it's, it's not my team i mean i was happy them to get it to the finals but secretly glad that they didn't win so that none of my friends could you know <laughs> lord it over me we still have ours you don't have yours was there much was there much weeping and gnashing of teeth back in uh, georgia yes. for amongst your friends yes oh they haven't recovered yet have they because no. that was crushing it was a great game though yeah. that's all i wanted yeah that's right that's all we wanted a good story right yeah. um we didn't bring emily in to talk about football <laughs> although it is fun uh we brought her in to talk about a couple things specifically, and just because she's knowledgeable in the ways of the world. But she was the is it the chair or co chair of the committee, uh, the panel, the, the chair, chair of the panel that uh, examined, looked at South Dakota's initiative and referendum system mm-hmm. tradition, yeah. and came up with some recommendations for potential changes or things that could be done. And your recommendations, just to refresh folks, were what? Uh, Well, we ended up producing 10 recommendations that have since been uh, put into the hopper at the state legislature that's uh, recently convened. Um, Probably the most substantive change uh, that we put forth was raising the threshold for constitutional amendments to 55% uh, in order to succeed. Um, that was brought forth kind of as the baby uh, by Senator Jim Bolin, Mm -hmm. um, who was the vice chair. And felt strongly from the very beginning to, in order to preserve the sanctity of the constitutional amendment process and the Constitution itself, that we should kind of make it a little bit more stringent, uh, more difficult to get an amendment passed. Yeah, there's al- it already needs more signatures to get on the ballot. But that right. has, while significant, has not really been a real barrier to getting those on there. Right, yeah. If you've I got mean, enough it, money. Well, depend, yeah, it depends on who you're asking, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're getting a petition, a signature gatherers, they're probably saying, oh, it's burdensome. Um, yeah. And it is a lot of work. Um, but he felt very strongly, and, and the task force agreed that um, there were some measures brought forth 
that were put in a in the form of an amendment that probably were not best suited to be added to the actual constitution. They're more statutory in nature, um, but for a number of reasons, um, they went the constitutional amendment route. So that's something that they're looking to change. Well, so they can't be gutted by the legislature like right. I am 22. Yeah, yeah. Um, but do you think that, uh, how many, I think you said this the last time you were here, that 55% threshold wouldn't have prevented, I don't think, Marcy's Law, right? It would not have, no. Uh, or uh, some of the other constitutional amendments that have passed. Is it more just a deterrent, do you think? Well, I think it does. I, I, I kind of had a feeling you might ask this, and I just didn't get around to looking at it today. There's, <laughs> there are numbers out there if you Google it. Um, mm -hmm. uh, somebody compiled it, and it was basically said um, if you looked at a 50% threshold versus a 55 versus a 60, there are some that even want to raise it to 60. Right. Um, that it does reduce the number of successful constitutional amendments. Or the number of people who may just opt for the the uh, statutory rather than the constitutional Sure, amendment. so... In my opinion, this is part of the puzzle. If you want to preserve the Constitution and only utilize uh, changes to it um, for the most significant, substantive, necessary amendments, you have to deter people from using that when there are other means, like the initiated measure route. Um, but you also have to incentivize them, and that's the part of the puzzle that I wasn't able, as a member of the task force, to I guess, articulate strongly enough to my, my colleagues, but, you know, to, to not mess with the initiated measure um, process once the voters have spoken. There is no kind of safeguard there, and so there's no incentive to use that route, um, whereas, as you mentioned, you go the constitutional amendment route and the legislature can't touch it. And that really is why people do it, Let's because we know now whatever sort of philosophical barrier that may have existed before in terms of changing the will of the people is dead because they completely got it. I am 22. So that not only does it not incentivize people, it disincentivizes them to say, because they're going to like, well, even if we get this passed, yeah. so let's, let's shoot bigger, let's shoot longer, which is what we're seeing with the I am 22 replacement. Right. And I would add to that. I think that at least this is my, my view on the issue, but because of the IM22 um, situation and the resulting of it, as what I experienced as, as a member of this task force was extreme skepticism on the behalf of South Dakotans. Why are you doing this task force? What is going to be the outcome? Don't mess with our process. Don't touch it. They're so fearful that this is their only recourse against the legislature and what the legislature is doing. And then t to not have that even preserved is very scary to them. And I, I get that those that go the, the initiated measure route are already a little bit kind of skeptical of government to begin with, probably. Right. Um, but, you know, everything we did, they were just like, what, what is the motivation behind it and how is it tied to you taking away our rights? And it was like, no, no, we're not doing that at all, I promise. Um, you know, that's not the motivation of the task force. But I think after I am 22 and the repeal of it, I think that that's just kind of, the political environment that we're in right now. It created a sense of mistrust in some people. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. I think that is fair. Uh, we're going to come right back and talk more with Emily Wanless. She is a political science professor from Augustana University. We'll talk more about IR and I and R, not IR, I and R, initiative and referendum and uh, some other stuff. So stick with us. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 
433 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSLO. And we return to our conversation with Emily Wanless. She is the, I almost called you Amy. I, that would have been a huge full power on my part. <laughs> Emily Wanless, she is a uh, associate professor of political science at Augustanian University and uh, served as the chair of a panel that examined our South Dakota's initiative and referendum system. And uh, they've made some recommendations to the legislature, which will be coming up for debate, we hope, right? Yeah. It should happen. Yeah. They could just say no, but they have to do it, right? Well, I guess they don't have to do anything, but I hope they would do it. <laughs> they uh, they don't have to pass them, but they at least should bring them up. Yeah, they've already been um, introduced and assigned to committees, um, so we just will sit back and wait. There are actually 10 bills, did you say that? Yep, we came up with 10. And the big one was uh, the one we were just discussing. Senate Joint Resolution 1. Oh, well, there you go. one yep. That's outstanding. Uh, which is the constitutional amendment. Raising the threshold. Any, th- any other highlights in there that we should watch in terms of following this debate, Emily? Um, I, I think it'll be interesting to see if anybody comes up and, and tries to amend it to 60% or introduces their own. Um, I think that that's one route that that could go, but um, the, I, the legislature might be very open to that. Even if you're, even if the panel that studied it was a little more, a little less enthusiastic about it, the legislature's in such a mind that they may just say, yeah, jack it up. I think that it was strategic. I think that I, the, the sponsor of the bill would probably have preferred 60%. Um, but I think strategically he knew that it was a little bit more palatable. It's Representative Bolin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, more, a little bit more palatable at yeah. 55% across the board. Uh, so let's talk just a little bit about um, another issue associated with INR, and that is Representative Speaker of the House, Mark Mickelson's uh, own initiative mm-hmm. to ban out-of-state money in the INR process. Um, I've said on here a couple of times, I think it's um, silly for a couple of reasons. One, it's unconstitutional, right? Just, it's, it's just blatantly unconstitutional. It, it, well, it's not blatantly unconstitutional because the court hasn't ruled on it. But <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's listing towards yeah. <laughs> it, lists, it leans unconstitutional. The court like generally that. doesn't like to prohibit outright any sort of campaign contribution. And why is that? It's considered a form of free speech. And political speech that when you give money to somebody, that is expressing your opinion. Right. So you can uh, put limits on contributions because uh, free speech doesn't say you have the right to speak louder than other people. So you have the right to express yourself by giving campaign contributions. You do not have the right to express yourself um, more uh, under free speech. But in terms of outright banning of funds, um, the court has not supported that. And isn't it kind of a, a a loose regulation anyway? Because people always find a way around it. Well, see, that's what's interesting. When you know we were talking kind of off the air about the, the value of disclosure laws. Um, it's 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 one. It's it's the only so constitutionally supported mechanism to control campaign finance. Um, so that's why most people su- who support disclosure will say meaning, this is the best we got. Meaning if you give, you have to reveal who you are above a certain amount of money. Correct, right. And so, um, you know, people say that if that's the only kind of check, then we're going to be in favor of uh, disclosure limits. Um, but another reason why it's it's seen as a, a, a decent 
regulation is because um, the campaign finance limits that we have in place have simply funneled money into a new vehicle. So if you, we're going to go way back to the 1970s when we first have significant campaign finance reform uh, with FICA. Uh, it banned hard, it put limits on hard money, money you could give directly to uh, candidates. Well, then that manifested in soft money. Um, and so money you could give to the political parties. And so everybody just took all the money that they were giving to candidates and they gave it to political parties. And so then we have McCain-Feingold in 2002 where you have um, a ban on soft money. Okay, what did that do? It created PACs, right? And so then you have Citizens United, um, which gets at some of the regulations uh, that, that BICRA or McCain-Feingold sets up. And so now we can have corporations and unions um, giving unlimited, unregulated amount of money. Um, on zero. behalf of their members. Right, with zero disclosure. Yeah. Now, again, this is, this is the kind of thing where I think if you were to ban contributions from whatever entities you would, because unions, businesses, however you would draw that up, um, that could be fine if I go and make my contribution in the name of my, you know, AM right. radio hosts, mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. um, I say, yes, I am Patrick Lally of this organization. Right. And I give that money. Yeah. That seems to be a more transparent transaction, right? Sure, sure. I think the, the case was, was it with Target? Was that who? I want to say it was in 2012. Because it, it was after Citizens United, but I think that, it, that some employees of Target were coming out and saying, like, you're donating on behalf of right. me, and I don't, I don't advocate for this candidate at yeah, all. Yeah, and, and I don't like, and that always has kind of bothered me, because you know not everybody in any union supports all, everybody supports this person. It just doesn't make any sense, right. or a corporation, or what have you. No, but if you put your name behind it, I'm cool with it. Get rid of the caps, though. Almost. I, and well, I know why you say that's constitutional, but it, it causes all these problems. Sure. Know? Yeah. No, I understand that. I'd be interested to hear what you have to say then about the um, Government Accountability Task Force. Um, they put forth uh, one of their recommendations. So we were a task force, summer mm -hmm. task force. They were summer work group as well. Um, and they came forward and said that basically you get a single contribution. Have you heard? Am I yeah, a little bit. I don't, I'm not great on the details <laughs> so, on this one, but uh, I know what you're so talking about. So a single about. contribution yep, can come from you, mm -hmm. from Patrick Lally, friends of Patrick Lally. Uh, so you can't write a, a $4,000 limit as Patrick Lally and then a $4,000 limit check from friends of Patrick Lally right. and then a $4,000 check from um, Patrick Lally Incorporated. See, it's I, only one as yes. long as you're tied to all of them. And I think that's a good thing. Again, how are they going to know if I give money to my friends and relatives? I have all the money, you know, and I, but I get 100 people together and I give them all $1,000 and they all make the contribution in their name. Is that fraud? Maybe. Maybe I could be, yeah, but I could be charged with fraud, but how would they ever know? Well, and what's the, I mean, what, what is the motivation you could claim to say you're giving that money? I mean, as long as you can talk your way out of it, I <laughs> then I don't think it's fraud, right? I don't know. Um, it's not, well, it's not a crime until I'm convicted. Right, uh, yeah, that's true. Um, you need to talk to Jeff Turn, by the way, over at ESPN 99.1 about how laws work, but that's a whole nother <laughs> issue in terms of traffic laws. Um, so... Uh, the the Mickelson Amendment is going to be on the ballot. Yep. 
One of two. And you'll have all this stuff going on with in the legislature. In the end, coming out the other side on January 1, 2019, we could have a completely different system. Sure. I mean, I think that as as many problems as there are with IM24 in terms of whether or not it's constitutional, I think there are some good things that come out of it. And I think the spirit and the intent of it has merit. I mean, if you look at the money that was spent in 2016, there is clearly an outside voice being represented. But we knew who it was. With with Marcy's Law, we knew who it was. Well, yeah, because it was one guy. It was one guy. $2 million. But people decided they liked what he had to say for whatever reason. I mean, you can say the commercials Kelsey were misleading. Grammar. What's that? <laughs> Kelsey Grammer. That's all I remember. Yes, the, the Kelsey the, Grammer commercials. Kelsey Grammer worked. commercials. Worked. Yeah. Well. Uh, it's a terrible constitutional amendment in my mind, but it it passed. What are you going to do? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that the, so the argument, I guess, would be that that is an outside voice that was able to speak louder. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you looked at who was against it, you know, it was all lawyers from South Dakota saying, like, this isn't, const- you know, this isn't going to work. We don't have the capacity, and, the resources. And people you know. don't like lawyers more than they they, they like they Kelsey, like Kelsey Grammer, Grammer. <laughs> more than they like <laughs> South Dakota lawyers. I don't know what that says. But about I mean, South if you Dakota look lawyers. at, I mean, if you look at the money. It was two, almost two point one million dollars t- to less than five thousand. Yeah, because there's no constituency on the other side. But, but I mean, that was universal. So I looked at some. First of all, I think it's telling that not a single dollar from out of state was spent on any of the referred measures. Really? Yeah. It's only people initiating things. Yep. In and you, yeah. In so new new stuff. If you That's, look. Uh, I am 22 in state, and, and this isn't for or against, this is right. just in state 110,000 versus 1.6 million. Mm-hmm. Amendment V, uh, three, a little less than 350,000 to 1.6 million. You, $1,700 to 1.9 million. Mm-hmm. Not all of them passed. No. So no. it doesn't always work. No. You have to have, it isn't necessarily the money that passed the law, it's the fact that it resonated with the people of the state of South Dakota. One could say, yeah. Yeah. That's why it's I, hard. I don't know. I just don't. I, I, I question whether or not you want a couple thousand dollars from in-state being put up against mm-hmm. millions of dollars from out of state. I mean, what is. We're going to come right back and finish <laughs> this discussion with Emily Wanless, Associate Professor of Political Science at Augustana University. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four forty-six on the Patrick Lally show. I was a little late there because I was in an in-depth conversation with Emily Wanless, associate professor of political science at Augustana University, about federalism. Yes, federalism. <laughs> and uh, this is Nick Lowe. When I write the book, which reminds me of a book called The Federalist Papers. So let's talk about federalism. See how I did that? Yeah. Link those two things together. That doesn't happen that way very often. Um, so Jeff Sessions, Attorney General Jeff Sessions has been a long uh, opponent of looser restrictions on marijuana. Yep. We've known that for a long time. So he came out last week and said, you know, my instruction to the federal agents and U.S. attorneys is business as usual. I don't care what California does. January 1st, California, recreational pot. Everybody's getting high. Um, it's not the only example of the shifting nature of federalism states rights versus national rights 
but it's the latest and it's a good one. Uh, we have a kind of uncomfortable relationship with the idea that we are a federalist republic, right? Right. And it's just such a contradiction and so hyper hypocritical. Jeff Sessions seems to be wandering into territory here that he may not be able. To, uh, how are you going to stop states from approving pot when they say, well, I don't care what you do. We're going to approve it. It's California. It's one out of every eight people in the United States. This is one of the areas that is most uh, difficult for my students to, to wrap their head around. You know, that they're sitting here, I'm telling them that I just finished a lecture on the, f the federal government and federal laws are supreme law of the land. We have the supremacy clause. And then I tell them about federalism, and that we've got these reserved powers for the states. And then we start talking about marijuana and they're just like, I don't understand it. And I'm like, I know, because it's not, we're not following the process that was put into place no because i don't know where you could find in the constitution i'm not a constitutional scholar but i play one on the radio <laughs> the uh notion that the federal government can enter this debate on on a controlled substance that has different laws in different states already whether it's legal or not the penalties are all different yeah. the classifications are all different how come they can get involved in drug laws in California? You can make a pretty good argument that they got no business in that, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. So this, is, this would fall under what we call police powers, that states have the right to regulate um, anything dealing with the health, sa safety, welfare, um, and protection of their citizens. Um, that's something that this falls under. But, I mean, we don't have enough time, but the, <laughs> the amount, the, the creativity of the federal government to get at powers that they don't have in this area of federalism is mind-blowing. Civil rights, mm -hmm. gun legislation, mm -hmm. um, marijuana, all of these, these areas that are typically not in the purview of, of the federal government, the states have been able, or the federal government has been able to, largely through the Commerce Clause, but not in this case. Um, in this case, it's the Controlled Substance Act. Yeah, but the Commerce Clause was something that was very powerfully used during the Civil Rights era. Well, and right? in fact, um, I think the argument for um, the f one of the first cases where the federal government, where they challenged the federal government's oversight in regulating marijuana, the court said if you had used hmm. the Commerce Clause, we probably would have supported you in protecting your rights, but and saying this isn't interstate commerce. Um, but they uh, didn't use that argument and uh, they weren't supported. The Controlled Substance Act prevailed. Um, I don't know, for some reason, I'm reminded of the line <laughs> from uh, Love Actually where the, the rock star, the aging rock star says, kids, listen to your uncle. Yeah. <laughs> don't buy drugs. Become a pop star and they give them to you for free. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, that's that's my message to people though is remember you can't bring it from Colorado or no, California. No, just remember and, that. and especially not to South Dakota. The law is still in effect. Yeah, and you and you very do strict here because people are risking great personal, uh, you know, uh, to their detriment by in, in being involved in in marijuana and worse yet the marijuana trade because once you try and leave California or even in California, you could still get in a lot of trouble from the federal government, right? Certainly. But I, I would also say that people have moved to California or have moved to Oregon or Washington or Washington uh, simply because of mm -hmm. that, that state's decision to legalize something. Same with right to die. 
legislation, right? Physician-assisted physician suicide. I was living somewhere where I couldn't determine that for myself. I moved somewhere where I could. That's the beauty of federalism. That's why we have states' rights protection. Um, and when you've got the federal government being contradictory, you can't say we're going to pass a law outlawing a certain practice, but then we're not going to enforce it. But then we're going to change administrations and decide to suddenly yeah. enforce it. I mean, what Get kind of system together. of governance, governance is that? It's all going to hell, right, Emily? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, that and voters are stupid. Those are the two <laughs> things. Those are the two things that, that we learn in class. No, yeah. I'm Well, and uh, <laughs> as the Boon Man says on this show every Monday, people are just no damn good. Yeah. Yeah. Emily Wanless, on that, Please on, don't that leave with that. <laughs> on that very optimistic and sunshiny note, uh, we're going to let her go. Uh, Emily Wanless, Associate Professor of Political Science at Augustana University. Thank you very much for coming in, and we look forward to talking to you real soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000. K-S-O-O. Four fifty-five on the Patrick Valley Show. Information one thousand. K-S-O-O. Ah, uh, Clash. This is Radio Clash, which means it's the end of the show, but not until I tell you good people about Sioux Empire on Tap coming up on January 27th. That is a Saturday. It's going to be a big dang deal out at the Sioux Falls Convention Center. You can sample over 100 craft beers from more than 60 breweries, two general admission sessions to choose from, or a VIP session. There will be live music, games, and food available for purchase. Get your tickets now because last year this baby sold out. So you're going to want to be out there. I, I'm going to be there at some point. I don't know where. I don't know when. But uh, I'll be, I think I'll be working the show, you know. Swim Empire on tap for more information and to get your tickets. All right, everybody. So there's a storm coming, and it's not going to be as big as it once was. Dan Peters has been telling us about that. It's not the snowpocalypse it's, by any means. No, it's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine, people. Just stay calm, right? And... Our friends at AAA have sent along these very helpful reminders about dealing with winter weather like this. Okay. So. Do tell. Before the icing begins, because there could be icing, right? Yes. Very slight, but yes, possible. Uh, now, some of these are common sense, all right? Protect your vehicle, all right? You know, park inside if you can, or under a cover like a carport. Certainly that would help. And that's obvious. Definitely. Uh, dry and lubricate surfaces. Wipe down and dry weather strips and surfaces around the doors and windows. Apply a lubricant, WD-40, cooking spray, and even Vaseline to the weather stripping to prevent freezing. I think that's around your doors, you know what I mean, and windows yes. in your car, mm -hmm. which, you know, I don't know the cooking oil is the best idea. I, but And I would go lightly with that. That's spread very thinly if you're going to do that. Yeah. And Be careful. Uh, I think the Vaseline petroleum-based, I think that would bond a little bit better or work in. Yeah. WD-40, I think, might be a little bit too caustic. And, too much. And would, yeah, too and it much. would probably break down that rubber. Windshield wipers, pull your wipers away. Yeah. Use the right windshield wiper solvent. Yeah. You got to do that. Don't get that summer stuff. Get the stuff that goes real down, way down to the freezing. Uh, but also, after... Ice-coated windshield and windows. Never pour hot water on your <laughs> windshield or windows. Okay, no, that is a good... Because it can cause the glass to break. That seems like a good good idea. Yeah. 
don't try and uh, roll your windows down with your power windows when they won't go. Just wait. Yeah, don't do that either. Don't do that either. Frozen locks. Never use water to thaw frozen locks. Bad idea. There are commercial de-icing products that will work. And, uh, you know, you got to do that. A lighter can also be used to heat the key, which there you go. That's a nice little trick. And frozen windshield wipers, if they're frozen, use the heater and defroster to melt the ice before turning them, them on. You can, do a, yeah, you can do a lot of bad damage. Anyway, there's some trips, tips for you from AAA to get you through this next uh, little snow problem we've got. Coming up tomorrow on the show, Jody Schwann's going to be here, and that's always good, our friend from Business. That's all coming up tomorrow on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO.